Uh, good morning, all you folks out there across the planet, the great Orbis. Good morning to all you folks who are just like me, staring off into the sky. Interestingly enough, a blue sky in Seattle. Maybe I'll go for a walk today outside. Maybe I'll go for a walk outside and find my shadow beside the road. And I'll say, Shadow, you can go now. Shadow, you can say goodbye to yesterday. Shadow, you can say hello tomorrow. Say hello to tomorrow, Shadow. Because tomorrow's gonna be a better day. Because tomorrow's Monday. So maybe I'll go for a walk outside today and say hello to my shadow. Yes, I'll go for a walk. I will dilly-dally along the promenade. I will say hello to Professor Jillison and to Dr. McForkles. I will wave to the couples and to all the, the romantic young people who are in love. Yes, maybe I'll go for a walk. On the other hand, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. And just as I commented on the blue skies, a bunch of gumbas started to appear, so... <laughs> By the time this podcast is over, those skies could be quite gray. So I got some news today um, that made me kind of depressed, and let me explain why. Although I may be overreacting. I got an email from PayPal that in March, a whole bunch of rules are going to be updated. And that means I'll have to change how I handle things with PayPal and Venmo. And if you're not currently aware, those are the two primary ways people can donate. I mean, you can send me cash. Although the scary thought is at some point, I'm sure that'll be illegal too. Though when you think about it, it really is a race against time now between status nonsense and the collapse of the state, if you ask me. I mean, this is optimism talking, but it really is foolishness the way this is going. But yeah, in March, it's possible that rules and regulations that, frankly, Uncle Dan, who can't afford a lawyer, probably can't really wade through too well, there's a pretty good chance that, yeah, I might not be able to receive payments from PayPal or Venmo. However, I might also be overreacting. So how about we pretend that this just pissed me off? And here's why. I'm not special, okay, folks? This isn't, I don't think this is an example of anything as radical as what happens to people who actually have more than 20 people listening. 
I don't think this is special. I think this is basically one of those next steps up in tyranny, you know, the next thing. Um, in order to conduct business in this country, any kind of business, in order to even just make enough money just to get by. Now, you need to listen to what I'm saying here. My dream right now is to make a couple grand a month. Now, you may think that that's billions, and, and in some sense, for a lot of people on planet Earth, that is a lot of money. But for me, and for Seattle, it's probably as close to being homeless as you're going to get without actually becoming homeless. I mean, I don't know. I think I could probably go into one of those pods where I would share a space this big with three other people. So maybe I could get my total cost down to a thousand bucks a month, maybe. Maybe. But I got to say, if, if it gets to that, I think I'm probably going to go crazy. I'm sorry, folks. I, I don't know if I can live like that. And, and if that makes it sound like, well, Dan, you're too good. Nah. Come on, people. It's not about that either. You know, how many, how many people do you think we can stack on planet Earth? I don't know, but it seems like we're stacking too many. And with respect to living in the city and urban life, there is something dehumanizing about shoving a person into a pod at night. Um, I think there is something problematic about that. On the other hand, there are plenty of people who go to SeaWorld and see an orca whale in a swimming pool and think, oh, that's nice. That's real nice. Isn't it nice they gave that whale so much space and all that free food? Yeah, but that droopy fin... That droopy fin's not a good sign. My dear listeners, I will let you in on a secret that you're probably already aware of. I also suffer from droopy fin. Now, of course, my fin is invisible. My fin is invisible, but it droops. My fin represents my dignity, my sense of self, autonomy. You can call it sovereignty if you want to. I would call it the, the aerodynamic reality, or maybe the existential dynamic reality of a living being in the world that has free will and can make choices and be aware of those choices. Call it what you want to. But my fin is drooping, and I'm kind of at the point now where I say to myself, it's kind of like a year ago. It's kind of dark and scary in a way. Not as bad. So in a way, I should actually say, this is the good news story. My situation today is technically better than it was a year ago. But I can't really say my view of the future is any better. I don't know, folks. It's like this podcast. I don't know if I'm good at it or not. I might be. But I'm not sure that matters. And I might not be, and, and truly, that might not matter either. I look at a lot of the dreck that's out there, a lot of the crap that gets produced by people who, quote-unquote, are important and should be listened to. And I'm left with the assumption that it's irrelevant. It really is about whether or not you're willing to conduct operations in full support of whatever the government needs you to do. 
So if the government needs you to support more tyranny, then your podcast better talk about how American and heroic it is to have more tyranny. And it doesn't matter if you, you're conservative or liberal because there's only one party in America, and that's the war party. I mean, whatever changes in Washington, the wars must continue. It's like they say, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Well, the wars will continue for the same fucking reason. And you know what? We'll, we'll drop bigger bombs. If, if people get more pissed off, we'll just drop bigger bombs. The beatings will just get more severe. Yep, anywho, PayPal might not, might not work for me sometime in March or April, probably April, given the behavior, bureaucracies, leg time, all things being equal. Then again, by April, <laughs> who, who the fuck knows what the world will look like, right? We're, we are in the midst of it, I think, maybe, I don't know. It seems like they're doing their best to keep things from, you know, even... Even though the ground may be moving underneath our feet, they're doing a really good job to convince people that nothing's happening. And the bread and circuses is amazing. I mean, impeachment, people are focused on this impeachment thing as um, some kind of political expression or issue of constitutional law. And I think that's really cute. But in reality, it's a distraction. It's keeping people focused on bullshit. So the question an intelligent person would ask is, okay, so what is the other hand doing right now? Because the impeachment looks like a big fucking joke. And so does this fucking election season. It looks like a joke so far. Not one candidate makes any real sense. They're all basically advocating for more of the poison that has almost killed us. The Democrats are saying all we need is more, more, more debt. And, and, every, and we can have a green economy. You need to meditate on that bullshit, folks. If you have any background in economics, and some Democrat says, well, if we spend $7 trillion, the economy can grow again, and it'll be green. That's not what will happen. Okay, Even if we all started driving electric cars and eating soy, if we keep treating the world the way we've been treating it, we're still dead. It might take a little longer, sure, maybe, Although I don't really know. I don't know, and I don't think the people who believe they know actually know. Or here's another way of putting it. If they do know, they're not going to tell you. I'm telling you. It's like reading these articles where they say, millions of fish randomly died in the Pacific, but nobody knows. Nobody knows why. It's just a great mystery. We're going to have to do a study at the UW. 
We're going to hire 50 researchers and we'll figure it out. By 2037. Yes, by 2037, we will know why the orca whales are not having kids or dying. By 2037. By 2037, we will begin mining the seabed of the oceans for gumbus and silver and gold and ancient greases and protein. We're going to mine the bottom of the ocean for ancient protein. The McRib sandwich of 2038 will be a big hit. Next scary thought, because I don't think I'm going to worry about the PayPal thing. That's a problem for March. I got to worry about February, which is here. Hey, and did I say it's Groundhog's Day? If you don't know, it's Sunday. It's right around 9 a.m., February the 2nd, 2020. I think depending upon how you format that date, it can be considered a palindrome. But that being said, yeah, today is Groundhog's Day. Good news. And um, here's another scary thought I had. So you may or may not have heard that Zero Hedge had their account um, either temporarily or even more ominously permanently banned from Twitter. And I think that's funny because it's like most of the people I know the normies, the normie normies, like the people that basically believe that this shit show can go on forever, they don't know even, they they only, if they know of Zero Hedge, they only know because I mention it. Like, and I don't mean my friends from the Little Saigon Report. You guys are different. I need to be careful about that. I mean the people like family, you know, you know work colleagues, as if I have any at this point. But people I run into, it's like they don't even know Zero Hedge exists. So what's funny is why the fuck would they care? Why would they care? Why would anybody give a shit if Zero Hedge posts articles about this fucking virus? Now, Zero Hedge did post an article talking about the Chinese scientists that A, were accused of espionage, I believe by the Canadian government, and, and maybe they weren't prosecuted, but B, they, had, they were shipped back to China, they had to go back to China, and C, they may have stolen research related to the coronavirus, and they may have taken it back with them. But what gets more interesting is the researcher, and I don't care about his name right now, but the researcher that Zero Hedge identified, he specialized in bats, and specifically why it was the case that bats seem to be very tolerant of all these dangerous viruses. And one of the things he discovered is that the bat's immune system has a way of regulating itself so it doesn't go into full response. As mentioned in previous podcasts, one of the things that kills you with an infection isn't necessarily the bacteria or the virus or the parasite. It's, that might not be what kills you. What often kills you is your immune system response. The inflammation, the mucuses, the fever, all of those things can get out of control, and if they do, um, yeah, you can end up with your throat sealing up on you. You can end up 
in anaphylactic shock, you can end up having seizures. Um, the fact is, your immune system is tough as fuck. And let me put it this way. Anybody who suffers from an autoimmune disorder can tell you that if your immune system treats you as an enemy, you're dead. Okay, so yeah, this particular Chinese researcher studied the fact that bats have a way of controlling their immune system so they don't go into full response, which means they can tolerate these viruses and they can carry them around. This is all really interesting. So I had this terrible fucking thought today, um, really terrible thought, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's kind of like that PayPal conversation. This is a terrible thought and it might just be depressing. And, oh, by the way, it's not new. Like, it's technically one of those scenarios we talked about. The six scenarios, the, the possible explanations for this novel coronavirus, which includes that it's a big fucking psyop, which, guys, I think within a week or two, I will be able to confirm. Because of my location, because of my lifestyle, because I use transit, you know, assuming my card works, that's a whole other topic for another podcast. I think Microsoft has turned off my transit card. Which again, you know, whatever. I don't really fucking blame them. They're just pieces of shit anyways. But, um, I mean Microsoft. That being said, yeah, I am not far from the county hospital. I'm not far from several hospitals. And I'm right in the international district. So if this is real, I think I'm going to see it in the next week or so. I mean, I have Seattle University just up the street, you know. So, folks, I'm just going to tell you, if this thing is real, if this is a fucking, you know, terrible situation, I will know. But let's assume that it is a dangerous virus. But let's also take a look at that question, was it engineered? And now I want to go a step further. Let's say we, they verify that it was engineered. There is an, Indians, an Indian researcher, I believe, who has identified HIV, that's human immunodeficiency virus proteins, on this virus. So right now, it looks 50-50. Could be natural. Could have been something that came out of a biowarfare lab. That's something to think about, folks. And here's what's really scary. If it does have HIV components, then it may have an immune system component, which means that even if you survive this virus, it, its main impact might be, and this is going to sound really horrible, to be a flu version of AIDS. Imagine... AIDS, but basically like a coronavirus. That, that should scare you. That would be scary because ultimately it means that people, everyone, would have to be on some kind of medication. Um, it doesn't have a cure. I mean, yes, there are experimental vaccines, but it still doesn't have a cure. And the, and the treatment isn't cheap, you know? You, t you know, it's, it's the cocktail, or whatever you want to call it. It's not cheap. It's, it's not something that probably would scale up to five or six billion people. So anywho, here's the scenario. And this is kind of a creepy scenario, but let's talk about it because we, we spoke about it a week or so ago. It's worth reflecting on. Let's say this was engineered. It was engineered. It was engineered by the Chinese government. And they have a vaccine. And they've already vaccinated key people, military, hierarchy, people in the party, people in the know. And please, I don't want to revisit would governments do this, because if you can't do your own research about the shit that governments have done throughout history, 
then I can't help you. You shouldn't even be listening to this podcast. If you actually believe that governments would never harm people like this, my God, I think you're just, you're too childish to listen to me right now. But for those of you who realize governments would do this, okay, let's say they have a vaccine and let's say they've given the fucking vaccine to their key people. Well, here's a couple things you get out of this, as I mentioned yesterday. One thing you get is control over your population. But what if this is actually bigger than that and actually a little darker? What if this is the opening move of World War III? Like, what if actually what the Chinese want to have happen is for this thing to go around the world, to basically take out a lot of people, and to potentially tip um, the United States and Europe into a kind of state of chaos? Now, you might say, well, Dan, how's that an advantage to the Chinese? Well, right now, I think the Chinese communist government. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the government, okay? The people probably would just like to live in peace with each other and with us. It's, it's the governments that are the main problem here. But right now, the Chinese government has a tough, tough road to hoe. Their economy is slowing down, and it's arguable that a lot of their economic statistics coming out of China are bullshit. They have political issues, um, both with def- different ethnic minorities, but they also have political issues with respect to Hong Kong and people who, who want to have a level of liberty and dignity, and this is stuff that just isn't working. So they have a lot of good reasons internally for trying to quell revolt, to quell um, an uprising. And the great thing about this type of situation is people, yeah, they stay the fuck at home. Why wouldn't you? You want to die? You want to get this thing? Folks, we don't even really know how bad it is yet because all we have out of China is a lot of shady video and and pictures and data. But I don't truly know how bad it is yet in China. It looks bad. It sounds bad. But how the fuck would we really know? If this were the opening move of World War III, it would have to be a fast-spreading virus. I mean, it would have to have a high r naught, and we're going to talk about that next. And r naught refers to the rate at which a virus can be transmitted from host to host. So if you get infected with the novel coronavirus, and let's say it takes two to three days to actually become contagious, or maybe a day or two, then from that day, and you're going to be asymptomatic until day seven or ten, you can get other people infected. Right now, it looks like the novel Corona has an R naught of four. And I don't want to dwell on that yet. But the point is, that's, that means one person can get four others infected. So, okay, so let's say this, was, this is a move. Well, if it is a move, it's a bold move. Um, and not surprising. You know, Mao Zedong talked about the Chinese acquisition of nuclear weapons in the early 60s. And one of the things he said to people is, listen, from our perspective we can lose 100 million people or 200 million people and we will still be okay. That's the thing. Mao Zedong truly believed in what I would call the ant hill theory of conquest. If you have enough ants, there is no hill you can't take. And I gotta say, folks, if you study the the memoirs or the diaries of, of United States Army soldiers and Marines, that fought the Chinese in October and November and December of 1950. You'll find them to say the same thing. You know, it's kind of like they, they, didn't, they don't really believe in anything other than applying the mass, applying a bunch of people just running. It's, 
It's not meant to be sophisticated. It's meant to succeed, right? And nothing succeeds like numbers. So there might be people in the Chinese government who'd say, listen, things look bad for the planet Earth, for us, for a lot of people. We need to figure out how to get what we need before things get really bad. And we need a way to control the events. Well, how do we do that? Right now, the United States controls events. Well, you got to take them out. If this thing, if this is as bad as it might be, then this could basically immobilize the United States within about two to three months. And I don't care. You say, well, Dan, we got Amazon. Amazon will make deliveries. <sighs> yeah, I know that sounds like something you want to believe, but actually it's, it's way worse for us. You think, well, Dan, we have the Amazon and we got the trucking and we got all this. Yes, we do. All those things still require a lot of people to show up for work. Okay, and the margins are tight. Okay, we have been, what did Janet Yellen say in justification of this bullshit back in 2015, I think? We have to run a high-pressure economy. Well, folks, let me translate high-pressure economy. It means you're running at the upper limits of what's possible. If you go past those limits, you will probably fail, which means things will simply explode. This virus could be the thing that basically forces, you know, the, the, the next stage of whatever you want to call this, the great economic collapse. But this could, this could force that, you know. I, for one, don't believe the world, in real terms, has grown at all in the last decade. I, I think that's been a lie. You know, the 2% they keep telling us, I think that's a lie. I think that's a lot of papered over bullshit, but I can't prove it. All I have is my own eyes. And I can see the delusions and confusions of people who live in places like Seattle, people who think things are great, things are perfect. And then if you go to places like Dayton, Ohio, Indianapolis, Chicago, Baltimore, I can keep going. You see a different version of reality. And things aren't that great. And if anything, a lot of communities have either been treading water, which means barely staying where they're at, or they've been going backwards. So anywho, I don't want to spend any more time on this really, but like I said, I got this weird thought today I, uh, that what if this is the beginning of World War III? Because if I were the Chinese government and, and, and I had no soul, no notion of right and wrong, which means I was basically like a neocon, like John Bolton, if I was the Chinese government, and you might as well think of them as the Chinese version of John Bolton, why wouldn't they do this? Why wouldn't they? It solves so many problems. It is a relatively cheap solution to an almost impossible problem, and that is internal disorder. Okay, It's almost like you know dumping tear gas on an entire country, except for this tear gas might kill you. Yeah. So anywho, I was listening to Chris Martinson today, and I have a link to one of his videos in there. Just so you know, if you go to his YouTube site, um, Peak Prosperity, you will find a lot of good videos on this virus. On And I think, I believe he's hitting it center of mass, which I think he's a rational guy. I have never heard him say things that sounded crazy. Now, if you turn on his videos about this virus, he sounds concerned, so you can misinterpret that. But the fact is, if he is concerned, 
he's a serious guy that is concerned. And I believe he's real. So I believe there's reason to be concerned. I can't prove it, but I believe there is. Well, Chris has been reviewing the non-peer-reviewed literature. So, we, so you know, peer review means a bunch of um, a bunch of chosen, selected professors and doctors will review an article and then approve it for publishing. Okay, that's what peer-reviewed means. Well, because of the situation in China, a lot of articles are being produced that aren't technically peer-reviewed. So this article he discusses is not peer-reviewed. Okay, just as a upfront. All right. In the article, it basically says that the R not could be four, and as stated, that means one person, one person, can you know infect four people, and each one of those four people can infect another four, and so on, and so on, and so on. It has a high rate of growth. Okay, by the time you get to twenty cycles, at this rate of growth, you can infect、um, many, many times the population of the planet. And and when when I say cycle, a cycle represents the amount of time from exposure to when you can be contagious and infect other people. Now nobody knows what that is. Could be three days, could be four days. I don't really think they know yet. But、um, the cycle itself, like let's say,、um, let's say this started in early December. Then we could very well be near cycle ten, and and according to the data, it looks a lot like it. If you believe the data, if you believe what's coming out of China, the numbers could either be way could be way higher or way lower. I gotta say, folks, given my my concern that this could be a a kind of stratagem and be on purpose, it could go either way. If this is an on purpose exposure, then the Chinese will absolutely lie about the numbers. Either they'll say they're too high, they'll either make them higher or lower. If they have the vaccine and they've been secretly distributing it, then then the numbers will show up as higher、um, because they just don't want people. Yeah, they want people to think they're just as harmed, right? They're being just as wounded by this.、Um, if they don't have the vaccine and they didn't do this, then I would expect the numbers to be adjusted lower. Which means, if this is not on purpose,、um, I think the numbers are probably way too low because their government would. That's the thing about these governments. I think I think people are assuming they care about the people or that they care about other people. They don't really. They care about themselves. So what numbers they're going to give are the numbers that make them look the best. And I know that sounds tragically stupid. Welcome to the human race. So if this has an R not of four. According to Chris Martinson, it means that there's no way to stop it. Like maybe you can do containment, and he did kind of sound optimistic that if the Chinese are doing total containment, which means just shutting things down, that might work. I mean, it might work. Who knows? I know there are people who say no, you can't do that. That's crazy. Listen, there are people who think it's racist to even talk about containment. And and the funny thing is. That kind of madness continues until people can no longer speak. I mean, when you're at this stage of human history, you're going to hear that madness from people, and maybe they'll change, and maybe they'll understand that they're crazy. But yeah, a lot of people will say things like, "It's racist to even talk about the virus." I mean, are you fucking kidding me? And here's what's worse. Before I move on to the next one, next subject, here is what's worse. If this thing really does have HIV components and it is engineered, then it is really a worst case scenario, 
because it's not just that you could get sick and die from the virus. If it is an immune system attacking virus, it means that you could have symptoms, even if you recover, you could have symptoms later on that are exactly like AIDS. That, that's pretty bad. And so I don't know that we know anything yet, really. So I was thinking the other day about the book of Judges in the Bible, the Articles of Confederation, and the Neanderthal. Because the thing about history, as we all know, history is written by the victor. And I think it's even uglier than that. I think history is written by the comfortable. I think history is written by those people who find themselves not just victorious, but in a position of comfort and power. And when they write the history, they want people to know that history turned out the way it was supposed to. It's kind of like that Fukuyama bullshit. I mean, endism. There's, there's no more, in my opinion, ridiculous propaganda bullshit than some American fucking historian saying it's the end of history because countries like us have succeeded. What kind of narrow-minded bullshit is that? You should think about that one. But yeah, um, history's written by those who are comfortable and think that, that nothing can stop them, you know, and nothing can end the great epic, whatever epic they're in. Things will never be this fucking amazing again. If you've never read the book of Judges, the book of Judges is one of those books sandwiched between when Joshua finally liberates enough of the cities in the promised land that the Israelis can move in and when the first kings of Israel were selected. One of my favorite little um, parts of the Bible is 1 Samuel chapter 8. I've mentioned it many times. If you're a libertarian or an anarchist and you've never read 1 Samuel chapter 8 and you're a Christian, you should. Basically, the book of Judges is one of those books that represents a perspective. It, it might be historical. I, I think it might be. I don't really know. I'm not a biblical expert. So if you say, Dan, is the book of... Is the book of judges historically accurate? I don't know. It might be, it might not be. Um, but if it is, it certainly has a kind of slant. And the slant is the following. Those were crazy fucking times. The judges were not reliable. And the Israelis, or I should say the Israeli people, the Hebrews, persistently tilted towards false gods. That's one. Of, there are many themes to the book of Judges, but it's, one of the themes is this period of chaos. And I don't think that's accidental. You know, it, it's not accidental that people will, will say if there's a kingship. Like, let's say you're a historian and you're writing about the period of time between when the, the wars of Joshua ended and, when, and, and then when Saul, Saul, the first... Um, the first king of, of, of the Israeli people, the first king of Israel, that period of time, that period of time, those several hundred years, few hundred years, I think, um, yeah, it, it was probably considered a period of chaos by the people in the kingship who were writing under, maybe under Solomon. And maybe a historian under Solomon would want to say, well, listen, I'm so glad we got kings now because with kings, everything works. And back then, holy crap, it was all chaos and 
Samson and Delilah and having to have to cut people open with swords and put torches and fucking, you know, vases or, you know, amphora and roll them down the hillside. The point is, there was a lot of crazy shit that happened in, um, in the book of Judges. It's one of my favorite books, in part because I suspect that it is... It is a work of history that has an angle that if you can break out of the angle, you might find a new truth. Now there's this other thing, the Articles of Confederation. So there's a period in the 1780s, roughly from the end of the Revolutionary War, Treaty with England, 1783, roughly, to 1788, 1789. And some would call that five years, six years, but there was this period of American history where what we had was the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation, and that was it. That's all we needed. We didn't need anything else. Every state could decide for itself how it wanted to handle its own business. And then, of course, that could only last about six years. You got to think about that, too, because six years today, um, six years at this point in time, it, it may seem like a long time. Okay, but back then things didn't move as fast. So six years was just barely, barely beginning, barely starting as America. And then six years into it, we have to change everything. We have to have a document that tells us that the government stole your freedom and is now selling it back to you at half the price. That is what the Constitution is, folks. It's basically someone convincing you that they can sell you something you already own. Your sovereignty, your liberty, your freedom, you don't need these sold to you. They're not things that are given to you. These are things you have when you were born. At least that's what it says in the Declaration of Independence. And then there's our good friend, the Neanderthal. You know, if you believe the stuff that we're told about science and genetics and all that, and I'm going to accept it for now, there are a lot of people with Neanderthal DNA, my, one of my sisters. Interestingly enough, one of the sisters, you know, one of the better sisters, I shouldn't say that, one of my sisters has Neanderthal DNA, supposedly. I've never had myself tested like that. Now, have I had my DNA taken? Yeah, my DNA was taken when I was in the army. And who the fuck knows what they do with shit like that? Probably, who knows? I don't really care. But, um... I don't know if I have any Neanderthal, but what if Neanderthals were just really cool people? What if Neanderthals were warm-hearted, intelligent, decent people, hard-working, that mostly wanted to live in peace? And what if Homo sapiens, all things being equal, were just assholes? Like, what if that's our great claim to fame? That we're dickheads. We're total fucking dickheads. That's why we treat the world the way we do. That's why we treat each other the way we do. Now, why do I mention the Book of Judges, the Articles of Confederation, and the Neanderthals? Well, I mention this because it's easy to accept the following. That A, you live in the best time and the best place ever, and B, every other place and every other time is worse. But that might not be true. Number one, technology is great, but it's kind of a relative thing. When I was a kid, and we first got the Atari 2600, that was pretty fucking cool. Now, of course, when you look, when you look at games today, 
this just you know there's not even a basis of comparison between the games of 1982 and the games of 2020 they're just it's just you can't it's just ridiculous and yet if you have no knowledge of the games of 2020 or anything in between and all you know is the atari those games were pretty cool and when i was a kid we used to do a lot of stuff that just was outside especially in the summertime you know we played outside we went on adventures I mean, I was probably one of the more homebound persons I ever knew growing up, and even I still got outside and did stuff. It's not something that's common today, really. Anywho, yeah, I don't know if I want to spend more time on this, but it's easy to pretend that you live in the greatest time ever. And it's also easy to pretend you live in the worst time ever. And both of those statements are probably wrong or will be shown to be wrong at some point. So there was a Zero Hedge article about these makeshift hospitals they're making in China, these hospitals that they're you know putting together pretty fast. And I'll let you read the article, but it struck me you know, in the article kind of made it sound like these things were desi designed as death houses. Like, you know, basically these aren't hospitals, these are death warehouses. And maybe they are. They might be, their purpose might be just to house people as they're dying. Sounds a lot like Mother Teresa. She had homes for the dying, basically you just went there to die. I don't really know what's going on there. Let's assume it's real and it wasn't on purpose. Like it was just an accident, either of the government or someone ate the wrong bat. But let's say it's they're responding to things as best they can. It does look kind of like a scary situation. Like the other day when I saw them pouring dirt into the roads to block the roads, I thought, yeah, this looks a lot like showmanship. Because the thing is, you can clear the dirt off a road pretty fast. So if you're going to you know, and, and maybe that's the point, too. It's like, well, hey, Dan, you know, if you put rock drops out there like they have on Highway 1 in Korea, you can't easily move those without high explosive. And that's true. So you probably don't want, you know, giant 50-ton blocks of concrete, you know, falling onto the roadway to totally block things permanently. It's not like North Korea is about to invade, right? But, yeah, when I saw them putting the dirt on the roads, I thought, shit, if this isn't real, this is, you know... This is commitment to the role, right? This is commitment to the fiction. The hospital footage looks crappy, but then again, if you were trying to take video of a facility like that, you wouldn't want to get caught. I would guess right now, if this is real, if the situation in China is real, telling the truth about what's going on will get you killed. That's something else to think about, too, is that if this is A, not on purpose, and B, totally, totally dangerous and real, then there would be an incentive on the part of the Chinese government to basically lie. And you'd say, well, Dan, why would they do that? That would basically threaten everyone. Well, again, I say, I don't think they're thinking about the people. That's not, that's not how government works. So I, I don't know. I don't know. These hospitals that they're putting up, they're probably doing the best they can under the circumstances. You know, one thing to consider, you get a bunch of people building shit together at the same time, you're also going to spread an infection. 
And if this thing is as infectious as it appears to be, you might not want people building fucking hospitals. You might want people just to stay home, shelter in place, do mobile medicine. Like, I think if, if you're going to handle this realistically, there is no hospital solution because too many people are going to get sick, right? I don't know. I'm not in charge. Next topic. China is exempting taxes on products, U.S. products. So that's interesting, too. And that could cut both ways. But the fact that the Chinese government, even though we're still kind of in a trade war, and even though, um, you know, the United States has been kind of, um, how can I put this, belligerent with respect to the trade war, the fact that they want to reduce restrictions and taxes on imports, which means reduce tariffs, because um, they're really not taxes in that sense, they're tariffs. The fact, that, the fact that they want to reduce those taxes on imports or tariffs um, is probably a, a sign that things could be pretty bad. Um, it's hard to say, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. A few weeks ago, it was Christmas, and I don't think anybody was talking about this. You know, it may have been something that was happening in China and people were talking about it, but I don't think anybody was talking about it here. And then three weeks ago, it was like, well, there's something going on, but it's probably no big deal. And then two weeks ago, there was like this kind of almost oh shit moment, I think, for a lot of people who read Zero Hedge and read the articles. But still, people were like, I don't know. It hasn't really been to the last week that there's been this kind of recognition that this could be a serious issue. So I would say the fact that the Chinese are willing to let in whatever supplies they can get pushes the dial towards reality, which means that this isn't fake. And if that's the case, then yeah, the next week, week after, I'm probably going to find out. There's even a good chance I could get sick, right? I'm in the key demographic. And another thing about this article that Chris Martinson read, so I can just go back to it real quick. They estimated the fatality rate at around 7%, or just shy of it. And complication rates are quite high. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. Some people, when they get a infection like the flu, they get sick. Maybe they get kind of really sick, but they get better. And there aren't any real complications. Complications are things that happen as a result of being sick. Well, it looks like the complication rate for this thing is pretty bad. Like it could be up there in that 20 to 30% range. So we don't really know what the real fatality rate is yet. I, I got to say that one, but if, even if it is just 7%, we're going to see people in Seattle, especially given how slow the government's been, been on this. I mean, think about all the wasted time this week. If this is real, think about all the stupid wasted time on the fucking impeachment. I don't care if you think Trump is evil or not. People thought Obama was evil. I know the whole government is evil. But think about the fucking wasted time. There are things that people could have been doing, maybe even should have been doing, if this is real. Because, you know, let's talk about complications before we go on to the next subject. Because it's kind of important, okay? We talked about the fact that, yeah, the Chinese are throwing together these weird hospitals, and yeah, they're probably going to let you know people import American products without any fucking taxes on them. That's great, okay? 
That's great. But let's talk about complications. Because you can talk about complications in terms of the body, but the thing we should also talk about are complications in terms of society. This is where the virus, and this is what I was mentioning too in a previous podcast, this is where the virus isn't really necessarily the problem. Um, it is a problem, don't get me wrong, it's a real problem, but people haven't even begun to factor in how fragile things are, how easy it would be for certain communities to dip right into the darkest chaos you can imagine. There are communities in the United States today that are almost already there. Well, you can multiply that number. And then you're going to have people basically what? Trying to go around and maintain order? I can say this. I think a lot of cops are probably going to call in sick even if they're not sick. Not all of them. Not all of them. There are good ones out there, but I think a lot of them will just do what they need to do for their family. Am I going to blame them for it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really think that public service means anything anymore. I think for a lot of people it is just a paycheck. So we're going to find that out too. You know, another interesting thing we're going to find out if this is real on that subject is how seriously public servants take their jobs. You know, in the last 20 years, I have seen protests for retirement bonuses and protests for salary raises. I've seen protests for every angle of making the, these jobs better jobs to have. And listen, I'm not going to beat you up if you're a fucking cop or fireman, and you work your ass off, that's fine. Okay, that's totally fine. But like I said, to me, it's a good question. Will people of this generation, Generation X, Generation um, the Millennials, Generation Z, if they're like new firefighters, will these people actually stay at their jobs? Will they stand at the wall if things get really bad? We're going to find out. We're going to find out whether or not there is such a thing as a public service ethos. And we're also going to find this out too, like people did with the Cajun Navy. Are there people who don't need the government to tell them to do the right thing who will, will spontaneously still do the right thing? I believe they will. Let me, let me unpack that or rephrase that. If on the one hand, we can expect a lot of public servants to not basically be public servants if this gets bad enough, I think a lot of them are going to crap out and not do their jobs and basically let people down. A lot like that cop at that shooting, I think it was in Florida or something, a year or so ago or whatever, the cop that basically hid in the corner while um, kids were being shot. I, I don't know, was it Florida? Was it California? I don't have any idea. I don't really give a fuck. I don't even know how real it was, so I don't really want to give it much attention. But if it was real, it gives you a good description of, yeah, you know, will people do their fucking jobs? I don't know. But the other side of the equation is, will ordinary people rise to the occasion to look out for their neighbors? I am going to be optimistic. I'm going to say yes. I think they will. It won't be perfect. It won't always be pretty. But I got to say, I think the thing that's going to save people is that I think their neighbors, the ones that aren't sick, will try. And maybe that's all we need, folks. I don't know. You ever hear of Hanlon's razor? Have you ever heard of Hanlon's razor? It's one of these principles, right? It's one of these principles people will quote that may or may not be true. I kind of think that stuff like this might fall into the category of a heuristic. 
potentially what Richard Rorty would call folk psychology. But here's Hanlon's razor. Never ascribe to malice what you can ascribe to incompetence. That's basically it. Like, and actually, this subject came up once when I was giving a presentation on analyzing medical billing because someone had asked me, well, you know, Mr. Sullivan, how do you know if this is fraud on the, on the part of an insurance company or how do you know it's just not a mistake? And in reality, when it comes to systemic behaviors, you really can't know. Uh, systemic ignorance, systemic errors can look just as bad as fraud, can be just as much a pattern. And unless you're inside that organization, you really can't know. Is it because people are being told to, for example, deny a procedure code on a bill as a matter of policy? Or is it because people are just stupid or they're making mistakes? You just don't know. So Hanlon's razor is a good principle to follow in a lot of cases. Never ascribe to um, never ascribe to malice, which you can ascribe to incompetence, which you can basically blame on incompetence. However, let me just say something up to a point, because when it comes to fucking things up, I don't know how to phrase this. You kind of have to be pretty fucking organized to really screw shit up, like to really, really screw shit up. Yeah, despite the, the cartoonish mythology about 9-11, it is the exception that proves the rule. If you want to pull off something like 9-11, you don't do it with a bunch of dudes with box cutters. That might be the cover story you build around it, but it's not how you do it. It takes a lot of fucking effort. It takes, a, it takes engineering knowledge to pull that shit off. So this is what I would say. It is true that, that um, good old-fashioned incompetence can be can be the thing to blame for a lot. You can. You can blame a lot of things on people simply being fucking incompetent up to a point. Because past that line, you actually have to be really smart at being stupid. And so I just don't know. I think that Hanlon's razor applies in a lot of cases, but does it apply with respect to China right now? And this is what I would say. I think there's a 50-50 chance. I'm still there 50-50. There's a 50% chance this is a fucking flash-in-the-pan situation that won't amount to much, and maybe the reason why it looks so bad is because the Chinese government screwed up handling it. I don't know. 50% chance. There's a 50% chance that this is also due to deliberate action. I really don't know. How can we know? So here's the deal. What does Hanlon's razor say to us about the situation with the coronavirus? Well, what it is saying is something that might actually be scarier. And, and this is the thing. I'm going to tell you something. Hanlon's, you should hope that Hanlon's razor does not apply. Because if this was done on purpose, that means there's a good chance there's a vaccine already. But if this was not done on purpose, and this is just a fucking outcome of the human race being stupid on a historical scale, then yeah, it could be really bad. You just don't know, right? Last but not least, on the topic of making bad choices or being bad, let's read an article. This is a good article. I call this a feel-good article because these are the articles that we can read that make us really, really, really feel good. This article comes from the New York Post. It was published yesterday at around 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the author is Paula Froelich, Paula Froelich, um, F R. O-E-L-I-C-H, Froelich, Froelich, Paula Froelich, I'm probably saying that wrong. Headline, 
Roving band of herpes-ridden monkeys now roaming northeast Florida. Forget Florida, man. Now there's Florida monkeys. A roving band of feral herpes-ridden monkeys is now roaming across northeast Florida. The STD-addled rhesus macaques had previously been confined to Silver Spring State Park near Ocala, Florida, but are now being spotted miles away in Jacksonville, St. John, St. Augustine, Palatka, Wallaca, and Elkton, Florida, according to a local ABC affiliate, First Coast News. Even more worrying, over a quarter of the 300 feral macaques an invasive species native to South and Southeast Asia, carry herpes B, according to a 2018 survey National Geographic reported. Monkeys with herpes. The monkeys were introduced to the area in the 1930s by local cruise operator Colonel Tui's Jungle Cruise. <laughs> that sounds racist which released 12 monkeys over a series of years onto a man-made island inside Silver Springs State Park. The monkeys swam to freedom and reproduced at alarming rates and are now wandering around residential areas. And I quote, The potential ramifications are really dire, University of Florida primate scientist Dr. Steve Johnson told First Coast News. A big male, that's an extremely strong, potentially dangerous animal, fuck. Falk. In 1984, the then Florida Game and Freshwater Fish Commission allowed licensed trappers to cull the monkey population by trapping and hunting. Over a thousand of the monkeys ended up in zoos or research facilities or were simply killed. It was a program that proved deeply unpopular with the public, FCN noted. Since 2012, there has been no active management of monkey population. Wow, boy. Greta Mealy who works for Dumont Conservancy for Primates and Tropical Forests in Miami, told First Coast News that the monkeys are not a major threat to humans. They're not going to come up to us and interact with us. They would be more fearful. But she added, it's not the kind of animal you probably want hanging around. Oh. Not if they got herpes. <laughs> Mealy's grandson, Jason Parks, aide of Julieton Creek, saw one of the monkeys and described it as being about chest high with sharp claws and stuff. My sister named him George. Oh, isn't that cute? So yeah, what did, what did we learn today? Well, I think we learned that sometimes the best explanation for anything is incompetence. Like if something goes wrong, you can blame it on a lot of stuff. But incompetence might be the best explanation, that, that people are just stupid, they make mistakes. There's no great cabal, no great conspiracy. The Chinese didn't release a virus to start World War III, or it wasn't Bill Gates and his monkey herpes, although I think Bill Gates probably is going to start researching these monkeys. Because if I wanted to just be a dick, 
I would fucking breed these fucking monkeys with herpes shit. And fucking gonorrhea. In fact, I'd give them that bat gene that allows them to have every fucking virus. I would engineer, using a CRISPR, one of these monkeys to be able to have that bat gene that allows it to have all these viruses in it. And since we're using the CRISPR, I would also engineer it to be 15 feet tall and to have razor sharp fangs and to have teeth that are sharp and yellow and they glow, they glow in the dark and red eyes, red eyes that beam at you at night like you're looking into the, into the mouth of hell. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, I would re-engineer these monkeys to be super monkeys. Yeah, little, little Jason says that George, his friendly monkey, was about shoulder, you know, chest high with sharp claws and stuff. And here's another thing too. What if these monkeys move north and they move north fast enough that you end up one day in Des Moines, Washington with an interaction. It'll be so poignant between Little Beans, the French Bulldog, and one of these fucking monkeys, or more likely, uh, five or six of these monkeys. And Little Beans is like all, he's all like friendly and sniffing and the monkeys look at him and all they see is food. And it's like, I can imagine the monkeys just basically attacking him and shredding him tearing him to pieces and consuming him in the backyard. And then my sister comes home and sees this and she's horrified, but yeah, maybe not that saddened. <laughs> Let's just say that French Bulldogs are a handful, okay? They're a handful. They need a lot of love. And it turns out there's not a lot of love left in the world, so... <laughs> They're kind of shit out of luck. You know, I think that French Bulldogs were invented in the time of human history where people had a lot of love, extra love to give, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they had extra love. Maybe they simply didn't care. Maybe just it's always the case. Rich people are crazy and stupid. I really don't know. But the French Bulldog was created a long time ago. And so now is the time. There's not enough love to go around. But there are plenty of fucking monkeys with herpes. And that's the thing. If, if we have entered the period of American history that I'm going to call monkey herpes period, then we're in the monkey herpes era. And a lot of things are going to get crazy when you're in the period of time of the monkey herpes. You're going to have people going around chasing monkeys and monkeys chasing them. It's going to be terribly crazy, terribly amazing, terribly exciting. Probably someone's going to make a movie. And it's going to star Will Smith. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it um, for as long as PayPal or Venmo will allow people to donate, you can donate. There'll be a link to Venmo and PayPal in the, descrip in the description area of this podcast. And there is also the same link to Venmo and PayPal on my SoundCloud homepage, which you can conveniently get to 
with imsully.com. You just stick that in your fucking browser, and it takes you to my fucking SoundCloud homepage. Isn't that fucking amazing? Like a fucking monkey with herpes? Oh, herpes, monkey herpes, monkey herpes, monkey herpes. It is February the 2nd, Groundhog Day. There's a little bit of blue sky out there in Seattle. Is 2020. Please, by all means, avoid the monkey herpes.